All right, cool. So we're live. Uh, we're down here in Bloomington, Indiana. This is the power of one. This is the first time we're doing the, the podcast actually from IU. A lot of, of our roots are here. So Akib's with me today. Uh, Jason couldn't make it, nor uh, Gilbert as well. But we're, I got an awesome guest, Aaron Kate Dolan, that uh, met recently at a Penn State sports event. And so she's on the line. She's going to tell us her story. And um, we're so happy to have her on today. Yes. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on. No problem. And Erin just got done mulching for the uh, Good Friday <laughs> weekend. So she got some yard work in, waiting for the flowers to bloom. And yeah, um, you're, you're from Pennsylvania originally, right? Yes. So I'm originally from right outside of Philly. I grew up in the suburbs. Of Philadelphia, right in media. Um, grew up just playing a lot of sports. I was kind of a tomboy for a while. I was in dance and stuff like that, but I always cried. So <laughs> we switched over to sports. Um, and then I, from there, I went to school around here at Cardinal O'Hara. And then I went to the University of Oregon for two years and then to Penn State for two years, which is where I met Shane recently. So you literally went on uh, both ends of the coast here. Yeah, a lot of people get surprised when I say like, oh, I went to the University of Oregon because they're just like, oh, why would you go there when you're from the East Coast? But um, I always wanted to go there since I was a kid and I applied to so many different schools that I probably could have gone gone to or should have gone to. But um, I kind of had my mind made up since I was a kid that I wanted to go there more so just because the running culture out there. That was my big thing. Very cool. So have you have you done a lot of road tripping out in Oregon? I um, drove down the coast of Oregon, which was really cool. And I went yep. to Thor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one of the seven wonders of the world. I'm blanking on it right now. Crater Lake or Crater Mountain Lake, Yes. Yeah. So we actually drove there and it started snowing and it was actually quite a nightmare. But um, it was beautiful when we finally got there. It took us about eight hours from Eugene. It was it was a hike. But um, yeah, Oregon's beautiful. The trails are beautiful. It was definitely a culture shock more so than anything being from Philadelphia. I think people didn't really know where I was from or understood Philadelphia people in general. Um, a lot of people would be like, oh, you're from New York or are you from London? And I'm like, no, not even close. <laughs> so, so explain what it means to be a Philadelphia person. What's it mean to be a Philly? Because you guys definitely are in a class of your own and no one understands it actually other than you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm technically in Delco. I don't know if you guys know about that. It's like people are like, oh, people from Delco. So it's this like area outside of Philadelphia. But I just think people from Philly are very blunt, very truthful. Um, Is that where they got Philly blunts from? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> but people are just very like, I don't know, like uh, just in your face if they feel some type of way. I mean, for example, the other day when, um, the Sixers played the Nets, like, they'll boo Ben Simmons, like, they'll boo their own teammates, like, their own players, and it's just, it's an interesting culture. It's very ride or die, but they'll tell you if they're riding or they're dying, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. I love the Sixers. Ben Simmons is probably my favorite player. Yeah, he went off last night, so. Yeah, 31. Night. Yeah, career high 31. He was called average. <laughs> yeah. I only went to one Sixers game, but I got to sit right on the floor with the players, and I got to see Allen Iverson play, and like that's awesome. that was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's that's yeah. actually really cool. Allen Iverson comes back to a lot of the games, especially this season. He was there a lot. 
What what's he do now? Um, I don't really know exactly what he does. I saw him get inducted into the Hall of Fame back in November, but I mean, I think he's just doing like different side business things. Mm. I don't think he has much like involvement with the Sixers. I think he's just so goes to the games. So tell us a little more about growing up in Philly and what that's like and kind of like where you came from and kind of how you how you had to stand out at Oregon because I think that's kind of an interesting story in itself. Yeah, so um, I would say, so growing up, everyone says they're from Philly, but they're not like actually from inside Philly. So like I don't have the accent or any of that. Like I didn't grow up in the city, but um, I- Well, Chicago people say the same thing too, even though they're from Northwest Indiana. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I actually grew up very much like into nature and which is why I loved Oregon. So I grew up like running on the trails with my dad or like playing in creeks or fishing and stuff like that. I told you I was like kind of a tomboy. Um, so when I went to Oregon, I wanted to do physical therapy and occupation or occupational therapy. And I, cause I was really into the running, the whole fitness thing, whatever. Um, and then I did like a couple classes and I was like, no way am I doing this for seven years. And I was in a journalism class and I hated my journalism class more than anything. And then one day they were talking about sports broadcasting and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do it. And then immediately I like switched my major. I stayed there for a year, which was great. They had a good program, but it didn't make sense to not transfer back to the East Coast where like there's Philly and, you know, Penn State had a, I mean, it had a better program logistically for me with sports. I was able to do more things there. Um, but I kind of did everything on a whim. You know, I, I just like transferred and just went there by myself. I didn't know anybody really at Penn State besides kids I went to high school with, which was great. Um, but I didn't really have a college experience that I would say most people have because I didn't really ever take time to party or go out or like do anything outside of like schoolwork and broadcasting, which obviously now like it helped me, but I looking back, wish I did a little bit more of. So so we talked about the last time we chatted a bit, right? So she mentioned she's never actually been into the bars or the strip at Penn state. Oh, I have. I was like, cool. I haven't either, but I went to IU. So so explain what that's like knowing that you didn't experience that because most people that's the only thing they've really like that's why they go to Penn State um there's a huge culture of that there especially with like frats and sororities but I think since I came in technically like when I was a junior I already like missed that wave of like people really connecting and like making friend groups which I knew was going to be like not an issue or problem but I just knew that was probably going to happen in general um but yeah I mean I I could have but I felt like all the sporting events were on Friday or Saturday obviously. And I just, I couldn't go out Friday night and then I really wanted to do well Saturday night. So, um, I mean, I could have done more. I definitely could have gone out every night if I wanted to, there's people who would have gone out every night. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, when people think of Penn State, they're like, Oh, pickles or different bar. That's like the only bar I know. There's like so many different bars and they're like, I'm like, I've never went in there. I don't really know the, the background of these bars, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it helped worked out in my favor in the end, I would say. But yeah. looking back, I kind of could have had more of a social life. Do you regret that? Um, I do and I don't. More so because um, I would say when I was in Oregon, everybody would go home together from California in the summer. And then I would go back to the East Coast. And they were also trimesters. No, not trimesters. I think they were quarters. So we would go to school for 10 weeks and then I would leave for a month. 
So I feel like I was never really there and had time to connect with people because it was literally 10 weeks and I'd be back here. Um, and especially for internships and stuff. And then I went to Brandywine for one semester and then I went Penn State Brandywine. Then I went to Penn State for a year and a half, and then I finished school online because I wanted to start working. So that was the other thing. So I, everyone, their senior year is like, oh, I, like last semester, whatever. And I was like, I'm out of here. Like, I only went there really for my classes and would come home every weekend. But I mean, I could have made more of an effort for sure. That's kind of like what I went through. I went to Earlham College for like a semester, then I switched to Indian University East, which is a satellite of IU. And then IU's got such a great business school that I decided to transfer to the main campus. So I kind of see, like, your perspective on this. Yeah. I mean, Penn State definitely set me up, and they helped me so much when I transferred. And luckily, they took the majority of my classes, or else I would have been really behind. But yeah, the, like, College of Communications definitely helped me out, because I told them, I'm like, look, like I want to leave. Like, I don't want to be here at Maine, because I was getting not job offers, but at least like interviews at all these different places in different cities. And I was like, I just need you to figure out how I can do stuff online. So they actually did that for me, which was awesome. So you decided, I mean, pretty much in your head, once you found out about sports casting and just being kind of in that area, you basically just made a decision in your head right then and there that this is what you want to do. And did you map out a course uh, or a pathway that you needed to follow? How did you investigate that? How did you kind of do your due diligence? Yeah, so um, I, like, remember the moment very vividly. It was, like, Peter Al, Al Um and I was in his class. He, I remember, like, the day, and I was like, I'm doing that. And then when I get something in my head, I kind of get obsessive about it, which is good and bad. So I immediately was like, okay, what do I need to do to, like, be that and get there as fast as possible? which is not the best outlook to ever take towards something. I think now looking back, just because I was so like rush, 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 rush. Um, but I kind of, well, for when I decided to transfer, I called all the different schools around here that had um, broadcasting. Temple was one of them that's really good. And so is Penn State, but Penn State had a definitely a stronger sports background. So I was like, I want to do sports. Like there's, it's a no given, like I have to go there. So it wasn't, I didn't necessarily want to go to Penn State. It was not, like, something I wanted to do, but I knew I had to do it um, to be, like, successful in this. And then I kind of just mapped out, okay, if I do this, then I can do this after. So, like, I would do little things that would come up, and I knew that, like, okay, I do these three things, and I can maybe get, like, an internship doing this. And then if I got these two internships, I can do this after. So I knew that like everything was going to add up in the end. It was just a matter of like making sure that my skill sets could be known and that I would be able to like back my stuff up if I had to like get a job and actually have to work in it. Now, did all those little stepping stones work out the way you plan that you just mentioned, like getting, you know, doing this, then getting the little internship and then doing the next step? I was a little surprised by, um, I mean, I'm I'm a very ballsy person, to be honest, and I think that is, like, the biggest thing with me. I'm, like, I have, like, no fear towards asking people for things, given I provide value, not just, like, me asking for things. Um, but when I was at Penn State, for example, um, ESPN came, the vice president, to, sp- to speak to the Association for Women in Sports Media, which is, like, an organization on campus. It's a nationwide thing. And everyone's, you know, asking questions, this and that. But I was the only one who went up to him after and was like, hey, 
well, I didn't say hey. I said hi, I introduced myself, but uh, I was like, hey, I like want to work for you. This is what I want. Like, I will send you a demo reel within like one hour. What's your email? And I like tailored it to him, literally. I like ran back to my dorm room and it literally said his name, like to Mr. Like, you know, whoever it was. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say his name just cause I don't want to make him feel uncomfortable if I do. Um, but yeah, I just, and then I ended up getting the ESPN internship like a month and a half later through that program. So I don't know if he had any pool, didn't have any pool, but, um, there's just certain things that I would do that I think other people would be more fearful towards. Um, I think that just comes with like being confident and having like a pretty bold personality, which I kind of always had since I was a kid. Um, but I think that's one thing that females can work on a little bit is being like super bold and like not in your face, like aggressive, but like you can go up to people and be like, Hey, I want to work in this industry, you know, and actually ask that, like, how can I get there? Like, what can I do? And then actually do it. Cause I think a lot of people in our industry keep, they reach out to people and they're like, Oh, I want advice. Like, what can I do? What can I do? And then they don't do that. So it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I tell this guy this all the time. I'm like, for one, I don't think students realize how much power there is in in being a student. You can literally ask anybody for anything because it's to further your career, your interest and, and just your life. Right. And, and people are willing to do that. Granted, when you graduate, that may not be the case. And that's just a reality of life. But as a student, people are really willing. And I, you know, with even Akib here, when we were um, talking to this Wall Street analyst over in Europe, you know, the guy didn't want to talk to me. And I told him, I was like, actually, you know, there's a program. It's part of this. I try to have students shadow what we do and be part of this. And then he understood that it was for a school thing. And then he he said, OK, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. Right. And it, it's oh, definitely that- it's it's amazing pull. But you got to be willing to to go after it. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. You, that's the main thing, especially because our industry is so small. It's not like you can do sports broad. You can't like, it's not, it's not like a different industry where you can just go get a nine to five job with broadcasting. It just doesn't work like that. And then, um, continuing that answer, um, like with where I am now, like that was also like a place I interned. And I honestly, when I was graduating, I, that was May of 2018, I didn't apply to one job at that time I ended up emailing the guy at PHL and just saying hey I just graduated and then he was like hey come in and um I was just very 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 lucky and very fortunate that that worked out the way it did to be able to broadcast in Philly um there were other like news directors who had reached out that I've talked to but I think the one was in Wyoming um and obviously I didn't I didn't take that one <laughs> that was really far <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wyoming sounds really bad <laughs> It's a gorgeous place to go do adventurous stuff, but I wouldn't, it's tough to work there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, all the things, it did add up, but I honestly tried to quit broadcasting before I even graduated because it just got to be so much, and I think I was just winning a lot of awards in it, and I just felt so much pressure before I graduated that I wasn't going to be able to, to perform to the expectations of people, and I think that Penn State didn't have expectations of me. I think I it was in my head at the time because I was just I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, I mean, do the best of the best and come out of school and like work in a number four market and like do these things. And um, I think I was just cracking a little bit as I graduated. But luckily 
I reached out to like Penn State professors and they totally talked me off the ledge. Thank God. They're very supportive, but I'm happy that I had people that I was close with at the time to be like, hey, hang in there a little bit because our industry, especially as a girl, can be like very, very brutal. But. Yeah, I bet. And I mean, so you know, one of the things that stuck out at me at that that Penn State sports event is that there's a lot of people that are interested in getting in the space. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of dabbling, they're experimenting, they're dipping their foot in the water. But then you meet someone like you who's actually immersed. Yeah. Right. And the passion is there. You already you already know most of the questions that these kids haven't even thought of. Right. Yeah. Because you've actually taken the time you've you've put yourself in the in the field. Looking back, though, like what would you say if you were to have a certain uh, recipe to your success? What would you say is the right thing to do or the best way to go about it? I think this kind of comes back to like personality traits more than anything. Like I can tell instantly when I talk to somebody if they actually are passionate or in into it or not um because you'll get the same questions over and over um I think you either have to be all or nothing and I'm very all or nothing which is a great quality and my worst quality at the same time because if I'm all in on it like I'm all in and I want this 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 and I want it now but if I any way get in a gray area I cannot perform at all like you can tell with me, like I'm either all in or all out. And I think with something like broadcasting, you can't not be all in, in a way. And I think that kind of goes back to me running all those years, because when you run, you don't have the option to like pass a ball to somebody and put it on someone else for the game. Like you can't just say I had a bad game. Like it's you on the track or it's you in the cro on the cross country field. So you have to either be all or nothing. But that's also how I was with running. Like I would get in a race and you could tell I'm either all in or I'm all out. So you I, just, you just actually made me think, cause one, I, I definitely resonate with everything you're saying because I, myself, I only live in black and white and anyone who's ever spent time from, I mean, this starts from probably middle school enough. I've always been yeah. very black or white, no gray. And what you just described about running, I wonder if that's like what swimming or all these timed sports were to me. I don't yeah. know if it ingrained that mentality. Now that you bring it up, I wonder if that was the root of all of it. Well, because that's how I feel with broadcasting. Like, everything's a time. You go on, you have 40 seconds, you have a minute, you have this, you have that. Like, and it's in a show, it's, it's time. Like, I, I mean, I love math, science, whatever, but, like, I'm very much oriented where I only work well under pressure. So if I go into a nine-to-five job and I have to sit there and perform, like, for me, I'm just not going to because I'm, I don't have a time. Like, I don't have a crunch. Whereas with running, I was always chasing like a time. So for this, it somehow, I, I actually stopped running when I chose broadcasting. And I was like, I'm going to go all in on this because I knew I couldn't do both. Because if I went to Penn State and ran on their team after I, you know, ran a little bit at Oregon, I would be gone every weekend. So I was like, it's one or the other. And I was like, all right, screw it. I'll just work out on the side, do what I need to do because broadcasting I'm going to do after I'm not making a career out of running. But I think with what you're saying with your swimming, like it's very, that mentality of it's just you definitely translates, I think more so than maybe people who play team sports. I think people on team sports know how to be better in teams, I think, than individual sports because sometimes 
I think you got to make sure it's not all about yourself. And that's just because you're not, I'm not saying that happens with everything, but, and obviously in swimming or track, there are team, team events, but it's a totally different mentality because people on your team, you're still competing against them because it's time. You're not really on a team. Like you're, you're, you're next to somebody who's wearing the same jersey as you and they're still your enemy in a base, in a, in a sense, not an enemy, but I mean, they're still your competition. Yeah. yeah like you're right, trying right. to beat them for a spot. So I think that kill or be killed mentality and that all or nothing black and white is great, but it could also be like my biggest downfall at the same time. Interesting. You just brought a whole new perspective to my life that I've never even thought about. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. My, like my, my head spinning, thinking about this now wondering if this is the root of every relationship I've ever had, why I live on the extreme. Like so, that. well, that's, yeah, I, only know I'm so much like that because my dad points it out so much. He's like, you're either one extreme or the next. And I honestly am. Are you a Gemini? I'm an Aquarius. Oh, I'm a Gemini. And I always, I, they always like make fun of Gemini's because it's two people in one. And I always say that's like my good and bad, like <laughs> black and white sides. But um, yeah. That's interesting. And so now, okay, so now you're, <laughs> you mentioned this whole nine to five. So what is your daily routine like? Because it's probably like no other. Yeah, my routine is pretty wild. So I'll just do this week, for example. Um, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I got up 2 a.m. And I would work from 2 a.m. to 11. So Monday, I work 2 a.m. Well, I get up at 2. I had to be in by 3. Um, left at 11. Went to my aunt's house. Helped her for like six hours. Fell asleep at 6 p.m. Woke up at 2. Stopped at Wawa because I needed a coffee that day. And worked till 11. Then I went back to her house. I only helped her for a little bit. And then I went and worked out. And then I fell asleep at like 8 that night. Um, and then I worked Wednesday. And I didn't nap at all. And I was up till 11. So that was 2 a.m. till 11 at night. So then I slept till like 6 the next day. And then I didn't work Thursday or Friday. But I try to work out on those other days. But some it gets to the point where my body feels pretty beat up. Um, but I was for a while in the fall sleeping like 45 minutes or an hour before I went to work and I it got to the point in January I thought I had the flu and they were like your body is just breaking down at a rapid rate like you need to sleep <laughs> but um I mean it's rough but at the same time so many people do it so there's really like no reason to complain like everybody's in the newsroom at that time or even before or after me and just everyone's kind of just sucking it up to get it done so you just go with the environment at some point and then on, when when you get out of there, you just got to sort out and rest up. and Yeah. Like I mean, that. when yeah. you're in that environment, too, like, I'll down, like, a 30-ounce coffee on my way in. Because you're, like, we're editing so many videos or we're writing. And, like, it's it's very fast until the show is over at, like, around 8. And then, like, everyone kind of chills for a second. Um, but I like the fast pace. That's what, um, you know, I really like about it. I just actually interviewed for this job that is completely outside of broadcasting. Um, and I went in for the interview and I was like, oh my God, people are sitting here and they're quiet. Like, I, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> and I said that to him, I'm like, I honestly, this would be such a culture shock. Cause I walk in and I feel like it's mayhem or where's this fire? Where's this person killed? And I like that fast pace and that like pressure and time crunch. So like sitting at a desk or 
you know, nine to five, I just, it would be really hard for me. I would say, don't do it. It'll be the end of you. you need it, to, uh, yeah. yeah. What were you going to say? You need to go to like a trading floor and be a sales and trader. <laughs> Something where I'm like up and about. I need to talk to people. That's my biggest thing. I don't think I could not, not talk to people all day. Be perfect for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goldman sales and trading. <laughs> yeah. Future analyst. <laughs> Although you'll miss the autonomy. No, so that's wow. So that's fascinating. So you're literally your body clock is never really the same, and then you find these wow. stints of a couple of days where you reset, and then you do it all over again. Yeah. I mean, I've been, um, I've tried to like get on a schedule. I would say it was really hard when I first started, like really hard for me because I was used to working out twice a day, um, like religiously. Like I would get up, I would go to the gym, I'd do my morning thing, yep. and then I would, at night I would do my lifting routine. And I was in like the best shape of my life. And as soon as I started this, I was like getting injured over and over again. I couldn't figure out. I was like, well, I mean, I could figure out why I was like, oh my God, my body can't take the workouts that I was doing. So then I would tone my workouts back or not work out. And for me, working out is my outlet. So when I don't have that, like I'm a psycho, like I have, there has to be working out in my life. So trying to adjust to that was really hard, but now I like have it down. I'm just like, you have you'll be fine. <laughs> you don't need to work out today, but you'll, you'll make it, make it up. Yeah. Wow. And so, all right. So now you, you, you're doing this. Um, you've definitely gotten a groove. Any idea where you sit in terms of your age group or, or for your age for the rest of your peers that you work with? Are, are you like one of the youngest ones to ever kind of pull this off? Um, probably. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, I don't really know anybody else who has a 22, just because I think a lot of people are graduating and I'm still, I'm pretty young. I graduated, I, I graduated on time, but I mean, most seniors are 23 or 22 that are still in college. So I would say I am ahead of the curve, which is good and bad because for me, it's like I'm 22 and in Philly. So what do you do now type deal? Like, do you go backwards? Do you go forward? Where do you sidestep? Like where? You know, exactly. and you might find yeah. yourself caught in this little chasm where you're overqualified for a certain, you know, expectation and then underqualified for something else. Yeah, exactly. Like there's certain things, of course, that like mm. I could need to do or like need to go and get experience in. And there's certain things where it's like, oh, you maybe you don't need to go do that. Um, and I think with broadcasting, the problem is, is uh, you sign contracts, obviously, with everything. So if you, when you make a decision, you're not making a decision to take a job and you can leave in six months, like you're in for three years. So it's a big decision in general. Um, I really like freelancing just because I have the ability to do different things and work with different companies. I really liked working with the Big East this fall. Um, and of course, like there's ESPN three plus there's, you know, so many other things you can do. Fox has stuff. Um, but you just, Right now, I feel like the industry is a little bit in flux just because of everyone's trying to figure out what to do with digital and how to make money off that. And that's kind of not hindering other jobs. But I mean, I think it's getting smaller for sure. I mean, you're doing a million jobs in one role and you just have to expect that in broadcasting. I think people have this perception, which is so funny because people say it to me all the time. Someone actually just said it to me this weekend. And, uh, you're like, oh, don't you just go in and you just read the script that the producer writes for you and then you leave. I'm like, oh, so you think I'm at work for an hour? Like, that's it? And they're like, well, what else, like, do you do? I'm like, we go in, we edit the video, we write the script after we do promotions. Like, we're doing a million and ten things, but it's just people think because you're on TV, like, 
oh, it's just so glamorous and it's so perfect and it's the dream job, but there's so much people don't see behind the scenes that you have to do. So, like, what's your kind of end goal with broadcasting? Do you see yourself, like, where do you see yourself in probably 10 years? Um, I, I'm really not good at looking down the road with these things. I should be more so. Um, I'm hoping in five years, that's how I kind of look at it, to see if that I would be with a network, you know, like mm-hmm. a big CBS or, um, you know, NBC or ESPN or Fox, whatever ends up happening. But I, I know I want to do broadcasting for a while, for like literally a year. I was so in question. I would cry all the time about it. Like, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? But like, at the end of the day, I do know that I love it or else I would have stopped by now. You know, I think there's just, there's like, you go through phases with anything. And then it just gets to the point where it's like, okay, you have to shut up and stop complaining about it and just do it or like, get off the the boat, like figure it out. Um, So I think Luckily, I did figure it out, but I'm hoping that that's what I'll be like a, a known a known sideline reporter. Like I don't, I never like to say like, oh, I want to be Aaron Andrews or Sam Ponder, just because they all have their own lives and they're their own people. Like I don't want to be somebody else, but I would hope that I can become have the not the like their clout or their famous or this or that, but just have a platform in a way to like help other people through sports because that's why I'm doing sports to begin with you know so the the, the purpose of this is for impact then for you basically yeah. is what you're saying yeah because I, I think sports like completely save lives like I that's my like biggest belief with this is just why I'm doing it because I think at any point in your life if you didn't have sports if I didn't have sports I who knows where I would be who knows what road I would have gone down if I wasn't an athlete if I didn't know how to have confidence if I didn't know how to you know, work with people, like, what would I really have had? I mean, yeah, I guess exactly. I would have worked at a job in high school or something, but I mean, there's something to be said for people who play sports, whether you're good or not, whether it's Frisbee, whether it's football, like there, there's a, something that something good always comes out of it for me. Even if you lose, you still are winning in a way. And I just think for, you know, inner cities, for anything, like people only really unite around sports. I don't know anybody who unites around the news, to be honest. I'm not trying to call it the news. I'm just saying if, you know, I don't think people are going to gather to watch the nightly news over watching the Eagles play the Cowboys here in Philly. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's amazing. It no, has- and I agree because I think it's, well, I didn't, I didn't realize there's that side of you actually. So when we first met, I didn't realize that was like what was driving you for your purpose. Yeah. So that's very fascinating. That's a huge driver. Like that's actually really amazing to hear. Because I agree with exactly what you were saying. If I didn't have soccer, I probably wouldn't have anything, I honestly think. Like, soccer built the person that I am today, and I really love it for that. And I think it, like, takes people out of their situation. Exactly. Look at, like, people in the NBA when they talk about their stories. Like, they got out of hell from where they were through sports. Yeah, so I was... um, Everyone, but... No, it's totally true. And I was just uh, at this um, SEGA event, so it's Sports Integrity Global Alliance... And, you know, I was talking to a lot of people there and, you know, one of the key things I was saying is like, look, there's not too many other influences in life. You know, you have your parents, you have your teachers, but sports is that, you know, there could be hell going on at home. You could be not doing well in school, but having the right team and the right coach, you know, if they're in good standing, that can be a very positive influence on 
any individual's life that somebody will actually listen to and can actually take a path forward just with that relationship. And you yep. can't really say that about too many other things other out, outside the home and outside of school. Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of people, it is their outlet. And I, I mean that in the physical way and in the mental way that there's a lot of people, I think that really struggle with mental illness or depression and anxiety. And sometimes sports can be the reason for that. Like I would say there was a point with running where it would give me anxiety because yeah. I knew that I wasn't in the right shape or this or that, or it would stress me out. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, when I was going through things, like the first thing I would do is run or I would go work out. And I think if people don't have that outlet, that's when it's, okay, I'm going to go drink or I'm going to go do drugs. So I think that's the one thing that can take people at least to like a different, to go down a different path. Like the, not that it's the right path, but a better path than something else, which would be a different outlet. Absolutely. So, all right. So you want to be a, a future sportscaster, major network. Yeah. What other dreams and ambitions do you have that you want to share? Um, I mean, I hope one day that I can start like a sports foundation or something like that to help kids through running. I kind of did that with um, a track and field program that we started, but just having an impact on people and being like known for helping people. I don't, I don't want to, I'm not doing this to like be Instagram famous or Twitter famous right, right. or, which I think is really hard because people think that like, it's great to be cute and look great and they want you to, but at the same time, like you can't just be that to be successful in this industry because trust me, there's a thousand beautiful girls who want to do it. You know what I mean? Well, the, the funny thing is in this world of transparency, you see through this stuff very quickly and people's authenticity comes out one way or the other, whether they like it or not. Yeah. And it's very visible. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I think that stuff's all overrated to begin with, but I think if you can somehow gain an audience that's going to listen to you, whether it's one person, 10 people, a thousand people, a hundred thousand people, I mean, it's just important to be able to give back, especially to your community. That's the biggest thing for me, which is why I was happy that Penn State invited me back and of course went, because I think you should give back to people that help you. And I mean, there's so many people who helped me through sports, so I hope that I can help people someday through that. I love it. This is fantastic. Any, you got anything else? I mean, this, I couldn't thank you more for sharing your story. And I didn't know a lot of this. And I also didn't realize you're literally like my mini me um, in many ways with the double workouts, the outlets, the black and white, um, kind of like looking in the mirror a bit. Um, except I did have blonde hair at one point in college. So. I actually had blonde hair too. Yeah. I had blonde really? hair. Uh, we did like, uh, it was for sectionals. So we'd oh, all dye our hair. Yep. Yeah. It was it was a fun experience. Yeah. That's awesome. I do have one last question for you though. Yeah. You kind of touched on it a little bit. You were like, you're talking about hard, how hard it is for like women in this industry. Like, can you tell us like how actual hard, like how hard is it? Like, I guess I want to figure out like how um, um difference between men and women. Yeah. So I would say with Men, of course, with age, it seems like more experience, whereas I'm sure with women, it, the older you get, the more pressure you feel to look a certain way. Meaning you, you say you start now, I start now and I look young and I have really long hair. Like I should probably cut it and look a little older, whereas people who are older, maybe 30 or 35, 40, they're going to try to look younger. So like I feel like for women, it's very, very looks driven, more so compared to guys. And I think 
it's just you're you're looked at as like a sex symbol to be very blunt it's just that's how it's gonna be and you kind of have to know how to expect that if you can't handle that or any type of criticism towards people on twitter like for me that stuff goes over my head because i'm just Mm -hmm. like whatever like i could care less what you think but i think to a lot of people it's very hard for girls to take that like very very hard and when people constantly come at you, I'm sure it will get to you in, in some ways, and it does. But being a female, it's just so hard to be taken seriously in some ways. But at the same time, every guy who's ever helped me or anywhere that I've been is from a guy's help, if that makes sense. So guys are helping women. Ju- like, they are definitely helping women. But at the same time, guys will can make comments for certain things. Well, look, let's be honest. The the reality is that there's this very catty and competitive nature within the same sex with on both sides, whether you're a guy or whether you're a girl. And, you know, with this whole thing of brotherhood and sisterhood and sometimes just all bullshit. It's all some of it's just fake as shit. Yeah. And it's like, let's be real. Like, you really view me as your competition. You might want to help me to a certain point, but then you feel threatened or vice versa. Right. And it's you know and that's just the reality of things yeah yeah no i mean our industry is very cutthroat which i like honestly because i'm cutthroat but at the same time it it can be hard and it can get to you um i mean there's things that have definitely been said to me that are like so out of line or you know just absolutely crazy but you just have to be like okay that's one person's opinion there's how many millions of people here like don't let that ruin your day but i think like what you're saying though like the competition from within same sex like i cannot imagine a girl asking me for help and me treating her the way some people have treated me nope that's just what like it's wild to me like why would you not want to help somebody because you know how hard it is so if somebody's asking you for help like i just don't i don't get that mentality but yeah i mean it's especially in sports, it's even more limited than news, you know, and everybody feels that their job's never secure, which I understand because you're under contract and you know, you have a time and whatnot. But I mean, you, you also have to be a good human being. I mean, shit, that's why we're on this earth. So that's kind of the way I run my life. Now I look, I, I never, not always used to be that way, but um, you know, some things happened in my life that changed over the last five years or so, but you know, at some point you see the bigger picture and yeah. it doesn't matter whether you, even if it displaces you. OK, so what? You know, yeah, at some point you realize you're doing fine and, you know, you're going to make it one way or the other. But if you have a chance to elevate someone else, mm-hmm. that that's a moment in time that you don't always get. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, well, not a lot of people, but maybe people more so identify themselves so much with broadcasting that. With the famous side. So, like, if they take that away, who, like, who are they? Like, I think you should never be like that. Like, you should just be you, and this is part of you. But I think when it becomes, oh, I'm just this person, I'm just a broadcaster, then, like, maybe that's when the inauthenticity that we talked about, you know, comes through. And you, you're kind of, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because I know at the end of the day, like, okay, this doesn't work out. Like, I will be fine. But if you have like oh I only want to be famous I only want to do this and if I don't do this like what am I going to do like you got to have some type of backup plans of who you are you know so you may not realize how unique you are but I can say you're definitely uh, a rare gem because 
I've, I've talked to a lot of, uh, you know, students and just people in general, of course, doing this in the last 12 months or so. And you, you found this path so early on that most people take decades and don't find until either they've gone through some serious regret or some type of life inflection point moments. You just seem to have this kind of naturally in you. And that's, that's something very unique. So I hope I hope that stays with you and thank you. Um, you know, because there will look. I'll be honest with you. There will be, will be challenges in life that will piss yeah. you off, make you mad, dishearten you, and and make you want to turn the other way and to be like to hell with everyone. And you know, it, as long as you keep a sense of balance, I think I think you'll keep that spirit going. She's very yeah. Very you are you yeah. are the essence yeah you're of carbon. carbon yeah of carbon <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been nothing but phenomenal. I mean, so this is hugely inspiring. This is what the, the whole point of this yeah. podcast is all about, mm-hmm. is talking to people like you. And, you know, I think you're probably, besides these guys here, probably the, the I would say the youngest inspiring person we've talked to so far. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's uh, quite an accomplishment. So you should be very proud. Thank you. Thank you. Well, here she is. Aaron Kate sportscaster, right, uh, amazing individual, and uh, this is the power of one.